of our LA adventure. Also known as Emma and Liza's Big Adventure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Starting Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> um, or we can call it Liza and Emma's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> Party on. <laughs> so, um, it's been great because really what we've done more than anything else on this trip is kind of we've immersed ourselves into the whole LA biker thing in all its forms. I mean, we spent a great deal of time with Honda, we visited a few of the iconic motorcycle shops that we find here in Southern California. Um, this is my favourite part of the trip right now, because of who we're with. Exactly. So, you may have remember she was a not really a guest. You were a, a fill-in misfit for us a while ago. Right. But we've got Stacy B. London, um, land speed record holder. Hello. And uh, let's just let's just <laughs> let's just cover how many records you have. I have three records at El Mirage Dry Lake Bed and two records from Bonneville Speed Week from the same week. What? Yeah. There's two. Di- those are in two different states. One is in California, one is in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You must have had the bike so finely tuned. You're like, let's just keep going. Yeah, last year was a really great year. We did some cool stuff. All right. Well, we also had great conditions, so it, the timing just synchronized perfectly. That provided for a really great year. So, um, Stacy, before we really get into what you've done... This whole land speed record thing is a mystery to a lot of people. Right. And who oversees it and who's responsible for it and how you get in. Right. So can we talk just very briefly about the Southern California Timing Association, who I know you're heavily involved with in terms of your records. So here I am. I'm Miss Emma. I've built a fast bike. But nobody knows me from Eve. How do I get that bike onto the flats at El Mirage or Bonneville and start thinking about setting a record with it? Well, the first thing that I would suggest is to come out to an event and see how it runs and um, experience it, right? If you've never experienced a land speed racing event, they're really, really fun uh, events to spectate because everyone's just right there. Everyone's really open. It all happens in the same place, and you get to see a lot of cool vehicles. Where do these things happen? So they usually happen um, once a month starting in May. This year has been a really weird year because there was a, a lot of water damage to um, El Mirage, so we haven't had any events. But usually they're May, June, July. August is Speed Week um, at Bonneville, and then we come back to El Mirage for September, October, November. Okay, and how do we find out about these events? Um, there's obviously an online presence. Right, there's... So what's the portal? So it's um, SCTA... Um, dot com, I think. But just if you just Google Southern, Southern California, California Timing, Timing Association. Association, which is actually one of the oldest racing organizations in the country, right? Uh, this last year, I think it was the 81st year right. of Speed Week. 
So that tells you that it's it's been going on for a long time. Um, Southern California is famous for hot rods and going fast. It started with cars, really. I mean, the thing that's so fun about SCTA events is that they're cars and bikes. So you get to see a lot of really cool machines. Is it, is it kind of a competition between you guys, or is it all kind of one happy family, or is it are the car guys going like, oh, those bike idiots? Yeah. I mean, it's all with love because we're all racers, but there's definitely a little bit of, you know, elbowing and, um, you know, joking around. And I'm going to jump straight into this. You're a woman. Yes, I am. In, Thank you for noticing. In <laughs> a testosterone driven environment yeah right. your records aren't because you're a woman they're not a no they're division. just records no that's the really cool thing about SCTA is that it's not divided into genders or isn't right. a class for women it's just you look up the displacement of a motorcycle and then you see all these classes and it and then it lists the record first the speed and then who made it um, and it doesn't differentiate between, you know, what your body parts are. That, that's one of the things, actually, I wanted to get into, because I think the, a lot of people don't realize how many different classes there are. You think of land speed records, like Ack Attack, or, you know, right. um, or even walk. like Speed yeah. Demon. Or, or right. even like Aaron Sills going out there, world's fastest BMW. Right. People are setting new limits on, on big bikes. But the reality is, this is attainable for anyone with any vehicle, really. The smallest uh, CC for motorcycles is 50 cc's. Exactly. Which is still really hard. I had a friend from Wisconsin that came out with a 50 cc motorcycle and um, qualified for a record. So in Bonneville, you have to do two passes, Mm -hmm. and then those two passes average. Um, to make the record because you have to back it up that's what it's called you have to back up your record and prove that you've earned it so he qualified for a record and landed an impound and then the next day you have one chance to back it up he couldn't back it up on a 50cc bike he's trying to be the fastest 50cc bike and it's still really hard there's still a lot of tuning and a lot of mechanics a lot of luck with the weather and the conditions everything just has to dial in whether you're going you know 50 miles an hour or 250 miles an hour like the conditions have to be right and the bike has to the bike has to be tuned can we take this opportunity hold on i wanted to point out that there's someone else i was gonna say we're not alone here (laughs) um Stacy has an adorable little dog. At the moment, he's humping my purse. Uh, I mean, he is a poodle. Is, that is not a poodle, Stacy. Oh, we got news for you. The imagination. Oh, did I tell you that I had his DNA done yeah. and I found out what he is? What, what is, is he? he? Oh, a little monster. He's a well, poodle, poodle Maltese mini pincher. What? He's a mini pincher. Yes. So this dog, and we should include a photograph this of this. This is like a So little, Sundance is six months old. And he's like a little rug with a, sharp teeth. I had a, um, I was really close with my last dog, Smokey, which a lot of people know, who was my crew chief. And he had an unfortunate accident in March and got uh, hit by a car and passed oh. away. So it's been a really uh, hard year. And then in May... Um, Sundance basically found me, right? Sundance. And you came and visited us at 
the recycle right, right after, I think a week after Pretty you'd much, gone pretty much. And yeah. um, he was a little quieter then. And <laughs> he's quite an unruly boy, but he's very lovable. So, yeah, if you hear some of those he's sounds or if, if Stacy runs away all yeah. of a sudden, it's because he's found something to he get loves, into. He loves to eat paper and tear <laughs> right. paper apart. So, yeah, so, uh, Stacy is wearing some very loud cowboy boots. So if oh, you hear yeah. her clattering yeah. away, it's because she's running after Sundance. So I wanted but, to get back, though... Um, this is an attainable sport for people. You don't have to have the latest technology, and you don't have to be a master mechanic no, and who's able to, to machine. A, new, no, you do. Well, you do have to have access to I mean, get I into ha- the sport. Even to make records, you, you have to be like very dialed in. It's all mechanics, sure, right? But and I'm there's a lot to, of. But you don't have to have the latest computer technology and all of that. You're you can work with vintage bikes. Right, which is very mechanical, hands-on. I think anyone can get into that and learn how to better the machine and make it run at its fastest. But and there's still machining. And oh yeah, there, there is. But it, I'm, it's not the the current technology no, with no. computers and everything. No. And that's what I'm saying. It right. is attainable for somebody who wants to go to the next level right. of being a mechanic. Right. So. Um, I would like to talk about your bike and also some of the the other kinds of classes and bikes that you've seen to give the example that this is something that anyone could get into. Right. So let's talk about your bike. Right. Um, My bike is... So the way that I got my bike is that in uh, 2016, I became Lady Road Racer of the Year with my 1968 Honda 160 um, with Arma. I mean, that's how most people know me as as a road racer. And once I got that award, um, it seemed like a good time to put road racing on pause and go after this other goal because I did have a goal of wanting um, to get some land speed records. I had been crewing for Ralph Hudson's team since uh, 2012. So it was, you know, going on like four or five years. And... um, what we did was was we looked in the rule book and we looked at the records and we strategized mm-hmm. it together of what could be a bike that I could work on and handle myself and afford and that would be records that would be realistic to shoot for. And what we discovered was that the 250 modified pushrod record was, um, you know, somewhat attainable. Um, and we thought about, you know, made a list of what were 250 pushrod bikes. Yeah, there's not a lot of modern well, 250 yeah, pushrod it was, bikes. It was sort of like process, process of elimination. I'd always really liked Aramaki's. Mm-hmm. Did some research, you know, for about a month of like, you know, talked to pretty much everyone in the country who um, knew about sprints and Aramaki's and um, then kind of went back to my backyard and turned out that a good friend of mine in San Francisco had a 250 that he had just restored and um, just rebuilt the engine of and I basically you know February of 2017 drove up to San Francisco picked up a bike and pretty much ran it stock um, the first year, because yeah. I really wanted to get to know the bike. Mm-hmm. And what was your top speed in 2017 that you got out of a basically unmodified stock uh, Mackie 250? I can't remember. Like, maybe just shy of 
around 86 or at El, El Mirage. And, you know... Or something like that. That I think, is a staggering figure, Stacy, because we're talking about an old bike. Yeah, it was an old bike. I mean, I changed the tires. I cleaned up everything, went through the entire bike, um, did take apart the engine, cleaned up the engine, um, did change the exhaust. I, um, I mean... I ha- made a lot of friends and mentors in road racing. So Fred Mork out of Berkeley, who collects Arabakis, gave me a CRTT exhaust for it. So that was um, a broken one that I f- that I fixed at Ra- with Ralph. Um, I didn't even I don't even think I ran a tack the first year. Um, it was really just kind of basic feel, feel feeling out the, the bike, bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. getting the throttle to work, getting all the the timing together. We timed it, went through the timing a lot to get it fine-tuned. Um, did change the carburetor, so I had to rebuild, rebuild a whole manifold for the carburetor, um, get that all dialed in. Um, by the end, like I had did blow up an engine, so then there w- was a new set of new piston and new valves that I put in by the end of the season. But Bonneville in uh, 2017, I think I did something like 14 runs at Speed Week until I blew it up. Wow. That's a lot. Of, I think that that's is a, a lot testament of ru- to the strength of that engine. It really is. I mean, Aramaki is a company that made airplanes. Right. And then after World War II, they came back and couldn't make airplanes anymore so they got into motorcycles, and they built their motorcycles the way they built their airplanes. And it's a really tough engine. It's so, yeah. See, I'm thinking of what we had in England around the same time as your Air Mac, it was rolling off the line. And it's, the joke is, I could probably get a BSA Starfire right. to do 86 miles an hour. But probably for about a hundred yards before it grenaded. Right. Um, you know, BSA built high power engines, but God, they were fragile. Um, and so it's really an inspired choice, this Air Marquis, because yeah, you're making good power, but it's being tough. So. Uh, if you don't mind moving your phone, I can. I'm picking up something. Oh, yeah, there you go. Just a little further away from the mic. It makes weird sounds like aliens communicating. Oh, um, yeah. So we've yeah. got a lot of listeners in America who are going to listen. Like, what the hell is an air market? Yeah. But they know it as something different. Right, it's a Harley Sprint. Right. Right, mm-hmm. and I found out... So I got invited to go to the Aramaki factory after I made all my records last year, and I oh, learned cool. a lot a lot about Aramaki from the Aramaki builders. Right, and one was the rigorous test testing that Harley did when they they went to Italy to get in business with um, an Italian um, motorcycle manufacturers because um, they were doing so well with their race bikes. Right, right. All of the cafe racers out of Italy during the '60s were just these um, little bullets. So. Um, Harley went and they even had this testing system that they put all the bikes through and the company that scored the highest 
like far beyond the other uh, manufacturers was Aramaki. So that's why Harley decided to get into business with them and started importing um, these Aramakis, now rebranded as Harleys, into the United mm-hmm. States, primarily as race bikes, but then also... You could ride them on street, the street, street And bikes. this wasn't on production. They're production racers. Yeah, in the 60s, you could actually buy a lot of Italian bikes right here in America that had different names. Um, I'm pretty sure Montgomery Wards was right. selling was Benelli's. Benelli's, mm-hmm. yep. Rebadged Benelli's. Right. And um, Sears, Sears again, right. had a couple of small displacement. But the best of them all really were the Amakis. Now, if I remember right, weren't they absorbed into the Kagiva brand? Right. And then that... Right. Kagiva came up with a slightly different lightweight Harley-Davidson for the 70s, the two-stroke ones, right. which weren't nearly as good, but they were pretty handsome bikes. And not as popular. Like, all right. of a sudden, no one knew what that brand was. There was a lot more competition by then with, Je- with Japan in the 70s, which think pushed a lot of other brands out of the way. And Ka- you know what? Kawasaki, exactly. was, you know, and I'm Suzuki. Gonna, I'm going to say it. I mean, if you hear an Aramaki, it sounds like something. I mean, yes. it's it's got a meaty sound to it. Even the single is just... Right. It's got a really meaty rough. sound to it. Yeah. It's very, very easy to imagine it being an entry-level Harley. I mean, it's gruff, it's rough, it's tough. Those two-stroke Kagivas... Ring, ding, ding, ding. It's not the kind of noise that you'd expect something with Harley Davidson on the tank, and I think that was a contributing factor. Right. But there was a Ducati connection as well, because I think Kagiva bought out Ducati and owned Ducati for a little while in the early 80s. So there's kind of like, there's a connection between your Marquis. Right. And a V4 Panigale. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. if you follow it through. So, right. we've just started, it's a great bike. And no one was racing 250s. Right. It's at that time. Like, the 350 is the one that everybody wants and considers a really great and uh, race bike. And but the 250 is kind of like the forgotten class. So, yes. what was the record... In 2017, when you're feeling out your bike, what did you have to be? I needed to get to 87. Now, 87 doesn't sound like a great deal, does it? Are there are there many other uh, 250 pushrod bikes you can think of? Yeah, I mean, what BMW, do you get? Yes, which is, but that's like deep pockets. Yeah. The B- and BMWs, they make all of about eight horsepower, so that's not yeah. a performance bike. Triumph. Slew okay. of British bikes. You've got the Triumph Mm-hmm. T250, which is basically the same as the BSA. It's the We're same talking engine. in what era? Like 50s? 60s. 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 Right. 60s. Um, the BSA Starfire, which I keep on getting back to, which potentially you could make good power out of it. Right. It's it's it it's got the potential to make power, but it if is, you're like a diehard and you really want to make you've got a, a Triumph make. record or BSA record, then you could. Pour your heart and soul into it. But you've got to make a big end, because the big end's weak. You've got to make the main bearings. You've got to make a support for the camshaft. All of these are fragile points of the engine. So the Tiger Cub? Was a 200. Yeah. All right, we got... Wait a minute. We got one sitting in your garage. Yeah. Let's build it. Let's go for a Matchless Mm -hmm. made a 250. There was a slew of them. Because remember, in England, 
when you were a novice rider back right. in the 60s, you had to ride a 250. And same in Europe. Right. right? All of, like, which includes Italy. So the 250 was a strong class. Right. And we'll right. go back Ducati. to Italy. Ducati yeah. did a 250. Moto Guzzi did a mm-hmm. 250. Benelli did a 250. That right. was a two-stroke twin. But we're still... You're having to go back to the 60s. Right. Well, mine anything, is the 60s. Anything 67. built after the 60s? Well, the 250 became a bit of a lost cause. Yeah. I mean, in the 70s, it was still strong in England because you still had to learn on them. My The bike that I started to learn on was a Kawasaki two-stroke triple, right? which was not as exciting as it sounds on paper. Right. Um, because, like a lot of bikes from the era, it was a bit of a porker. Right. Um it was a big, heavy bike, but it, good boy, it sounded great. But 250 pushrod. Right. But we go into the four-stroke pushrods. They're all gone by then. Right. And they've been replaced by new, overhead cam Hondas right, right. or... New technology. Two-strokes. So that was the point. So basically, for this category, you're going to have to go back to Limited. a bike from the 60s. Limited. Or right? 50s. Okay, I mean, yes. a few 50s, but so, that's also like... But not an, not an efi- te- efficient way sure. to go racing. Yeah, so, 50s technology. 60s but, technology is But better. 50s is when it becomes vintage. Yes. Which I would love to have a vintage record. But it vintage for SCTA starts in 55. Uh, okay. So, so what, yeah, that's like a whole can of worms. All right, yes. so you get this stock Aramaki. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what changes can you make? What changes did you make to get to a record? Um, we then, about the so then by the second season, exhaust? then I went through the whole engine and put in race components. Okay. Not, well, a, not a racing piston, but a really good, strong piston with a you know really clean mm-hmm. machine work, but valves. So pistons, um, valves, you're doing your exhaust, you're doing your intake, mm-hmm. the carburetor. By then, the, the machinist went through the whole system, so everything's working a lot more efficiently. Stock carburetor rejetted? No, no. Ported? I never used the carburetor. Right, so I, I, aftermarket. I switched to um, a King the first season. Got it. That I had. I just had some leftover carburetors from my 160. It wasn't even something that I bought or planned. I just had... And, and I know it seems like we're going backwards. Can we talk very, very briefly about your 160? Because if I remember right, this is a class that is really the last entry-level Clubman class. Yeah. And the entire class is made up of Honda Twins. Yes. 160s, 175s, 200s... Um, well, there's a 160 class where you yes. have to be a 160, yes. and then it's 200 GP okay. or 250 GP. And these are the overhead cam, twin cylinder right. bikes that you but, can you can still find very cheaply so on Craigslist and build up to yeah. something that... It's it's competitive. And the Yamaha 175. Oh, really? Two-stroke, you would th- wouldn't think that it would qualify for that class, but... It does. And because everything, you, everyone's making about 15 to 20 horsepower, so it's very competitive racing. And it's probably a great way of honing your skills. It is. It very was. Good. It was amazing. And it's the largest class in Arma. So there's, it's the most competitive class, but it's also the class with the most camaraderie. And, um, you know, it's like, 
20 people racing towards turn one at people, the beginning of a race. How can people find out about that? That's um, ARMA, American Historic Racing mm-hmm. Motorcycle Association. Also has a website and a Facebook page. So if you just go on to the yeah. lightweight. They classes. actually had a race this weekend at Buttonwillow. First time the... The club is racing at Buttonwillow, so that's so you really still follow exciting. it, even though yeah, you've been away from it for years. These are, these are your my mates, racing these family. are your compadres. Yeah, they keep track of me, and I keep track of them. Okay, yeah. So I wanted to go back to the bike. So now you're doing these modifications, right? Um, I'm guessing that there isn't some sort of playbook of do this, do this, no, do this. not at all. And this is where some of the skill starts to come in, right? How, what percentage of setting a speed record is in the mechanics of the bike and what percentage is the riding of the bike i would say it's about 90 percent mechanics right and this is other people would say yeah but you're holding on while the bike is like going all over the place that maybe it's more like 75 25 because there is a lot you i mean as a rider that's gone through a lot of extreme Mm -hmm. circumstances you start to take it for granted that you're just handling it um, and um, dealing with the high stress situation and um, different um, things that are just coming at you on the racetrack that um, you, you know you just you just do it but because for me, because is- it is a mile, a mile long speed wobble right. I don't it's still um, stock suspension so my bars are flying all over the place and I'm down in a tuck and keeping my you know, right hand at full throttle and listening to the engine and, you know, trying to get everything out of each gear. Yeah, there is some riding and there is some experience that is required that you that you gain just by doing it. Oh, I think you need there, to... I don't know where you would learn how to do that. I think you need to shut off your self-preservation switch. Sure. Yes. Yeah. But the point being, I think that records are set in the shop. And right. this is something that's really cool. And this is what we we love is is that kind of stuff because you have to try many different things and test it. Yes. Try many different and you things can and actually it. only try one thing at a time, which is why right. records usually take a long time because you need to know what that change, what the the outcome of that change was. So it, you can, in order to do that, you know, there's that big lesson: only one change at a time. If the jetting wasn't mm-hmm. working. You can only change the jetting and then go for a pass. Now, how... I mean, that takes a lot of patience. You know what it sounds like? It sounds... If you live in a neck of the woods where there's an old abandoned airport close by to you, it'd be perfect. Because you can just make a change in jet. But it's it's a slow, slow process. Yes. I don't want you to sell yourself short, though, in, in the skill level. Right. Because, as you say, it is a mile long speed wobble. Um, I think it's as good a time as as any to talk about one of the awards you won. And oh, I'm yeah. going to pick it up and put it on my knee. Don't make too um, much noise. There you go. And um, what we have here is an award. It's on a very nice marble ice That plaque. looks like something you'd find in our garage. It is. Um, it's very fitting. It's about six inches tall and about five inches in wide. In fact, it would make a perfect match set. Um, <laughs> it's gold-plated. It is. And it is... Um, Shaved. Shaved a pair of <laughs> shaved <laughs> testicles in a in a scrotum. Yes, and they're gold plated. And it is 2018 Bonneville winner for the biggest 
set. Yeah, I'm really proud of that award because it was given to me by the SCTA motorcycle inspectors. Wow. Um, so, and this was based on <clears throat> just your dogged determination, or being an impound every day of Speed Week last year, and um, just my diligence and coming away with uh, two records during Speed Week. So, impound, and then this year they didn't give one. Let's, I found out. Let's that, clarify, because yeah. usually impound is something when you've done something bad. Yeah. You get sent to impound. Can you explain what impound is? So impound is where you want to end up when you're yeah. uh, at Speed Week. Um, so you're in line. You go for your first pass. You, you, you go faster than what the record is. And you go to impound to have your bike checked, the record checked. And to see if you qualify um, for a record so that you can make your record run and back it up the next day. So you go to Impound, and Impound is the place where um, you get your bike stays, right? Or there's a car area and there's a motorcycle area. And um, you're not allowed to go to the pits. You have to go straight to Impound where your bike is monitored and inspected. And you have four hours um, after they've um, me- they have to measure your bike, uh, test the gas, which means taking your mm-hmm. engine apart so that they right. um, can check the you know there's a few things that they check check through and then you are timed that you have four hours um, without making changes you can't mm-hmm. you're not allowed to make changes to the bike, but you're allowed to do maintenance to the bike and then it's um, then you have to walk away and your bike gets covered up and it stays in impound um, where it's sort of monitored that you're not doing anything um, to give the bike more power than it had the day that you qualify. Okay. You're not re- talk- refilling the nitrous tanks. Right. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about what kind of fuel are you running in your bike? I'm running a uh, race gas 110. Okay, 110 race gas. What kind of oil do you use? Do you use very thin oil to get the friction down? <clears throat> I use down? diesel oil. Okay, and what what grade? Like a fifteen forty or thinner yeah, than that? Yeah, fifteen forty. Okay, uh-huh. but a diesel oil, which is diesel really oil. good. Is I mean, it's the same oil though that I use on my BMW. I have a nineteen sixty nine BMW, right? And it's the same oil that I use in my truck. They all get diesel they, oil because it's diesel oil doesn't add any um, anything you know new to the oil like the new oils do. It's more um, kind of like. You just don't want to have any additives, right? Which right, which are washing the bike. Really, is what is washing the engine. Um, there are soaps that are kind of added, and minerals, and you know things that old engines don't don't want. So okay, so we've talked about the fuel. We've talked about yeah. the bike. We've talked about the oil. I'm. I'm You've got this other plaque, and I'm not going to pick it up because it's going to make too much noise. Right. And there are various metal plaques. There are, in fact, ten. And they're colour-coded. So can you talk through the colour-coding? Let's start with the black ones. What does the little... There's a lot of information on this plaque. Right. But what what does the black stand for? Um, So these are plaques that every time you do a pass... At an SCTA event, you get a metal plaque that's a, the size of a business card. Right. And then they're engraved. Right. The black ones mean that you just did a run. So it's just a participation plaque. Right. Now let's move to the blue ones. The blue one, I guess, is for Bonneville. 
Okay. And the black ones are for El Mirage. Okay. But the important ones. And then the red and then the red ones. Yes. You get a red one when you make a record. What is what is the highest speed on one of the red ones? Let's see. I think um, 97.998 was my fastest Oh, you are speed. kissing the 100. <laughs> that was um, so, September, I think, of last year. So you have gained in one year yeah. over 10 miles an hour. Yeah. So my And there's question, more. The bike has more. And that's going to be... Because we are mm-hmm. kind of running short right. on time. We've got to ride back to Northern California oh, right. when we're done with you. Oh, really? Okay. However... Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. You're going back in 2019. Yes. You're not done with 2018 yet, are you? Or are you? Well, there haven't been any El Mirage events, so I ha- I didn't race in El Mirage. I saw what the weather conditions were at Bonneville, that Bonneville was still a lake um, in July. Oh, so even back then, I had a feeling that it was going to be wet, and then it turned out that it was wet, that people were blaming the rain that happened the Thursday before uh, racing began for the bad conditions, but last year it started drying out in in April, so there's April, May, June, July, August, five months of dryness, where this year there was only a month, so the water table was already a little bit up high, so any precipitation was going to wash out the track. So following my instincts proved right. Um, I needed a break after um, the accident with Smokey and having such an intense year last year, I was sort of due for a break and, you know, having time to so let's focus get on, other parts of my life. <laughs> so let's focus on 2020. So when right. I go so to the Southern Ca- when I go onto the Southern California Timing Association website right. in 2020 and see your name, right? What do you want after that? Do you want like I know what you want? It's that hundred miles. Yeah, hour, I really do it? want to hit a hundred. That's what, the goal. And what do you think it's going to take to do that? What changes are you going to make? I'm just going to rebuild the bike the way that to get it back to where it was. We've talked about changing the carburetor um, so that it's downdraft. Okay. Um, so that's probably the next yeah, set for, of changes that I want to For those who aren't familiar with the air markers, they're extraordinary looking things because it's got a crankcase, but the cylinder just sticks straight out in front. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's no room for the carburetor. The carburetor comes out right. The, a the original crazy angle. The, ra- so. the original carburetor is a teeny tiny one that comes out through the very back. Mine, because it's a little bigger, it doesn't fit. Doesn't fit that way. So, if you want to add any more air and more horsepower, it would be um, making it so that it's on top which it's such a tight compartment that you would have to um, machine out you know part of the cylinder to make and the fins of the cylinder to make space for a downdraft which would get the carburetor closer which supposedly is more horsepower Mm -hmm. if there's more horsepower and that much more speed I know I'm going to need to change um, the suspension um, and put a lot more time and money into I think st- a, st- a steering dampener. A steering dampener might be quite yeah. a good investment for you. I feel. Yeah, that's um, the next. I'm. I'm. Wondering. But that's already. You're already talking about. 
you know, probably $2,000. I'm wondering, because there's so many different classes, is there a class yet for electric uh, scooters bought at Tractor Supply? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what is the CC? It's electric. It's a kilowatt. 1,000 kilowatt. But it... I bet you there isn't yet. Ooh. No, the electric bikes will be coming up. Ooh. There are electric bikes. I don't know how they... How they... I think the top speed right now is about... 18. Yeah, and you probably <laughs> hold that record. Um, there are other rules that have to I do with the it. wheel size and other, which is why that there isn't thing, anything under 50 cc. Right. Right? Like, there's there's a question, have, there, are, there are minimum. There's a question so. I've been burning to ask all the Salt Lake racers who ride motorcycles. Yeah. And I've ridden on the Salt, yeah. so I know what it's like out there. Do you, Is your preference running a high tyre pressure so your tyre cuts through the crust or a low tyre pressure so you get mm-hmm. a better footprint? High tyre pressure. So you cut through your... So your knife, More resistance. Yes. Very good. So you cut through you the crust. You have to. Yes. You don't want anything to drag. Right. You don't want brakes to drag, tires to drag, your body to drag. Everything has to be... That's why the conditions are so important and why the salt needs to be dry and hard. Because if it's mushy and wet, then you're going to have too much drag and no traction. Right? To go fast, you need traction. Which means an over-inflated tire that is cutting, cutting through... Uh, any material, right? Whether perfect. it's when it, yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense yeah. to me. Cool. Well, we definitely want to follow this, and for anyone who wants to follow you, how can they do that? Um, I think Instagram is probably the best place. So it's triple nickel five five five. Triple nickel. Yeah. Nice. My race number is five five five, and um, people started calling me triple nickel. So uh-huh. if 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 anybody goes. Onto Instagram, triple nickel five five five. Yes, they're gonna find you. Yes, um, I think you're just great. Thank you so much. And you're such a misfit. It's wonderful. <laughs> you're one of us, honey. I know I am. Sure, <laughs> but we're not done uh, just to yet. You. Oh, okay. Because there's something else um, that's been on my mind that I wanted to talk about, and there's no perfect place no more perfect place than where we are right now right so can you first tell us where are we right now we are we are at trico um in hollywood california trico. hollywood boulevard yeah t-r-i yeah c-o trico right and this is a it's a shop right it's a trico store it's 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 many things in one but i'll say like um the headquarters the headquarters of dice magazine there you go to me this is very la oh yes and la has there's moto fashion i think um deus ex machina is a perfect example of that and a lot of people are familiar with that there are a lot of places like this right can you describe what the la moto fashion scene is L.A. Moto fashion scene. Well, yeah. you're it, Stacey. I mean, because you, you are very fashionable. <laughs> I w- I w- can I describe what you're wearing? Because um. you're wearing vintage jeans. You've got um, vintage cowboy boots on. Very nice V-neck T-shirt. Beautiful jewelry, mostly turquoise. Little bandana. Nails perfect. Rings perfect. 
bangles. You're very LA biker. Thank mm -hmm. you. You're very, so <laughs> we already talked. Fashion is is quite important to you, isn't it? I've always been sensitive mm -hmm. to aesthetics as a designer. Right? right, I have an industrial design degree from Art Center. Um, rather than going into fashion and making clothes. I decided to go the other way because I've always worked with my hands and made things. So I went um, into industrial design and I work in a museum building building uh, ex exhibits. So yeah, aesthetics are very important. I love fashion. I've become very good friends with um, a few fashion designers. One is Eat Dust and Girls of Dust, which is a denim brand out of Belgium. Um, and we're sitting in there. Um, pop-up shop, a store-in-store store <laughs> at Trico that I helped them install, which I thought was ah. a perfect place for us to end up. They do really beautiful, high-end uh, workwear and denim um, that's all made in Portugal, not in China, and, and some in Europe. Um, there's a lot of craftsmanship put into their clothes, and there's a sensitivity to materials and um, construction. Um, but you know that overall there's this link between biker culture and fashion culture that pervades Southern California, which in the North we kind of we kind of don't get it. Um, but it's great. It really is. It it once you're actually in this space and kind of a part of it and understanding how it works. Right. Very much a lifestyle thing. I mean, SoCal, right, is the place where so much biker culture was born. Oh, it's the crucible right? of so, car and hot rod and biker culture. And all those three are linked. Right. Whether you think so or not. Right. You know, the hot rod culture, the biker culture, the car culture, this whole scene, speed scene this is really ground zero and for I'm third it. generation LA right, my dad used to, also has land speed records from Bonneville in a car that he built hmm. grew up um, in West LA where I grew up so it's really ingrained in me of just this idea of maybe aesthetics and how you look and being sensitive to what you want to wear and and then just the culture and the lifestyle, it's just, I don't know, I don't even know if I feel like they're choices, it's just what I gravita gravitate to and being sensitive to uh, your instincts and what feels right. And I don't know, this, this environment feels really good to me. It's humble, it's um, authentic. Um, and that's one thing I wanted yeah. to add, because right now I know some of our listeners are going to be saying, oh, this is so pretentious. It could it's be. not. This is legit. It, it, nobody is more s sensitive to pretension, and the, I'm the first to laugh at... And call people out. And call people out. But this is legit... This is very, very legitimate where we are right now and the, this this whole scene. So, and I, I wanted to clarify, would you describe the um, moto, um, moto, really fashion, the moto fashion, is it fashion for motorcyclists or is it fashion for anybody that reflects the moto culture? 
It's both. There's a lot of both. And and um, would you say that any of this eat is, dust, is the gear? Guy, is the this? guys are are motorcyclists, mm-hmm. and that's where their passion and their interests um, come out of. They're also fashion designers that have a lot of experience with big brands. So they have these two ideas that are colliding. the The clothes um, are both fashionable, and um, many of them are are motorcycle that, driven um so that's my question how much it's not safety function? Gear. it's it's not it's some of it is safety gear mm-hmm. and some of it is is just, just fashion because that but is, i think that that's existed that way for oh yeah a long time that but, there's always been a motorcycle fashion sure and that, people want to dress like a biker that uh, don't know the first thing about you know, and it is because we look cool. Because we're fucking badass and we're cool. It, yeah. And it is a bit of a difficult marriage, having safe gear and safety, right? To you know, safety uh, gear and fashion right. together. Even though motorcycle gear has been its own fashion and still is, so it's just it's an interesting where you can see things are spin off. It's comfortable, it's fashionable, and some of it is purposeful or is uh, dur- more durable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely a whole scene. And you've got uh, shirts, pants, boots, hats, jackets. Gloves. Everything is here. Not just that, but then we're getting into, I mean, beyond culture, I'm seeing, is that, oh, those aren't perfumes. What are those? Um, you know, but even at, like, Deus, you'll see, like, candles and, like, everything. Right. Well, Deus takes it a step further where they're also surfer, skater, mm -hmm. bicyclist. It's lifestyle. And and much broader Mm -hmm. lifestyle. I mean, that's why their perfect location for them is in Venice. So it's it's more beachy. So let's give a plug. So you said Dice Magazine. Mm -hmm. And I assume that that also is is really catering to this whole culture, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then Trico, I assume, is it Trico.com? I think it's tricostore.com. Tricostore.com, T-R-I. Right, because there's three owners that came together to mm. form. T-R-I-C-O. And, um, Which really works for me. Make sure you nickel. search it out, because if you hunt Trico, you're going to actually find an English company that makes a lot of stuff like windshield washer bottles oh, right, for right, cars. Right. <laughs> so you have to make sure you get the right Trico. It's Tricostore. Tricostore.com um, and just yeah, search around for them Trico Hollywood um, right. it's a great space it's been a great interview thank you I'm no so thank you Stacy. I mean you are super legit thank you really you. are I mean do we know any other land speed record holders and, and full disclosure um when Jim and I were down here in LA doing interviews last year right. and we had reached out tried to do an interview and you were getting ready to right. go to El Mirage. I don't really have time. We're like, oh, just in, just like an hour. And you're like, no, 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 I don't really have time. Yeah. Like, it gives us a better perspective of how much you're going through. It really is all-encompassing. It is. I mean, last year and the year before, um, it was every night, every weekend mm-hmm. was in the shop. Oh, this is your life, obviously. Yeah. When it's going. When it's on, it's really it's on. on. And you, you sacrifice everything else in order to focus on what you're doing to um, the there's a lot go the spoils yeah there's a lot that goes into it of just taking the bike apart putting the bike back together and then this last year i also went through the transmission so 
Um, yeah. It's just something, something lightning, that, undercutting gaze, just making everything, sure everything. Everything just meshes. has to... You go through every single part and try to improve every single... Because it really is the last 1% that makes the difference. And are you drilling things out to make them lighter? Um, n- not so much, but... I mean, uh-huh. because it's a 1960s thing. bike uh, made in Italy, there there's always a bolt that breaks and that okay. you have to, you know, you have to then, like, one thing just leads to the next right. thing, leads to the next thing, right. where you just have to constantly change out bolts and then re-drill it or making improvements, like, teeny tiny improvements just take forever. So, and then it's 60s, 1960s parts, so... You never know if it's if that extra little torque is actually going to be the one that right. breaks it. And you know the the funny thing is, I talk. Um, everybody knows that I work a lot on vintage bikes, and when I get one of my clients who said I want this, this, and this on my vintage bike, can you get new parts for it? I'll say yes. Right. But you need to understand this: that when I buy a new part for your BSA or for your Triumph. And it's a genuine part, because I only like dealing with genuine Triumph parts. Right. Even though it's a brand new part, it's been sitting around on somebody's shelf right. for 50 years. Yeah. And time is a thief in quite a lot of ways. Right. And even, obviously, rubber parts deteriorate when they're on the shelf. Right. But just having a metal part that's been sitting on somebody's shelf, it's been through 50 summers, 50 winters... 50 freezing temperatures, 50 boiling hot summers sitting in the shed at the bottom of somebody's garden. That's going to have an effect on the part. So I'm I'm very And then when you're dealing with race components, exactly. it's like and then locating where, you know, where there's a head, where there's a cylinder, what needs to get done to the cylinder, what needs to get done to the head, who's where the valves is great because Fred Mork who, ha- who races Aramaki's has a really great connection that I... Um, he imports them, and then I am able to get them from him, but it's still dependent on what he has and then how long it takes to get them from Europe, from where he gets them. It's all these... You know, ta- well, it's very time sensitive. I, I'm, I mean, I'm really glad we got to get a lot of this info from you because I've always been under the assumption that anyone who's willing to go out there and ride on salt is crazy but now i know it's also anyone willing to try and build the bike it's a whole nother level of crazy oh there's a lot of crazy oh there's a lot room. of craziness yeah. but it's also pushing the boundaries and there's something really cool about i mean they that. call it salt fever for a reason <laughs> yeah. i mean it's like a double-edged sword it's like you become addicted to it and while you becoming addicted to it and thinking about it all mm-hmm. the time it's driving you crazy. It just drives you crazy. <laughs> nice. And you're never the same after that. I mean, so when is that's, that? That's how I. When's your next run at El Mirage? Um, I probably will wait until next May. Okay. May. Let's put that on our calendar. I mean, depending on what happens with. Um, that would be cool. How, the, how would you feel about having a bunch of misfits come down? It would and, be amazing. It's the on. most amazing place on the planet because you get to pit. You pit right next to the track. Mm-hmm. You get to sleep there. You get to make a campfire, and you're, you know, you're on a playa, the dry lake bed pl- playa, where it's just all these amazing race vehicles 
under the stars, surrounded by these incredible mount- mountains all around you, and you know, and then you get to wake up to race sounds. So let's put it. It's let's really, put it it's there. really, yeah. really, right really now, awesome. Um, misfits out there in podcast land, set your calendar to May. Probably the second week of second May. week in May. Mm-hmm. Let's all have a weekend party out at El Mirage. If they if they yeah. fix the track, they're if having, they fix the track, they're having a lot of issues with the track. Well, this everyone year. now has got ways and means of finding out about that through right. the Southern California Timing yeah. Association. But and if it's on, be posting about. Let's it. have a weekend party and cheer on Stacy and just do the cheerleader. Go, Stacy! Yeah. Go, Stacy! The really fun thing about the May event and the November event is that they're two day events. So we actually do tech. On Friday, and then there's racing Saturday and Sunday, Perfect. rather Free than just usually it's tech on mm-hmm. sun Saturday and racing on Sunday. But May May and November they're two day race events, so it okay. gives people a a really great opportunity and experience Perfect. to see what's out there. You know, I could I could rent a little airstream, hitch it on the back of the El Camino, and then we'd all <laughs> have somewhere go. to sleep. It's in so fact, fun. we could put a bed in the back of the El Camino and yes. sleep under the stars. In it's fact, really it's still really beautiful weather in May. I might to have, just sleep outside. Sounds like a perfect I might have my, uh, to me, Stacey. my electric mini bike tuned up and ready to, to race. But You're going to go for the 20 mile an hour record. <laughs> I'm going to go for 20. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. You have to buy, a, buy a, um, a rule book. Yeah. Go on the SCTA site and you buy a rule book. I should have brought one, but the rule book has everything you need to know and it has all the classes and all the records. Oh, wait. I just thought, though. It reaches maximum speed about 30 feet. And how long is this track? Yeah, the track at El Mirage is a mile and uh, a third. Yeah. It's ba- I'm El not Mirage, sure I'll make it. <laughs> El Mirage is basically a drag race where the the track starts right at the starting line. Where in Bonneville, it's a mile of mm-hmm. speed up, mm-hmm. um, and right. then a mile or two, depending on or three, depending on the size of your vehicle of of um, racing. They they. They track you. They time you over a mile. Stacy, please stay in touch with the Misfits. Of course, um, I, might, I might be up up that way on cool. um, Labor Day weekend. Cool. Great, I'm, you thinking, know, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that I need some fresh air. Bring the dog. I'm, of course. I'm thinking I might need to rethink my choice of bike. I think. Race. Yeah. I, maybe. Liza, I think maybe. you always need to rethink your choice of bike. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Is it a reoccurring theme? Yes. <laughs> So I wanted to thank you very much for uh, meeting us here and uh, letting yeah, what us a check out this interview. cool store, too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally, it's taken a year to I get know. the interview. I know. But we got thank it. Thank you for your perseverance. Yeah. Well, you know, if nothing else, I mean, you know, we're misfits, we're boneheads. Right. But we're, you know, we're very high on perseverance. Yes. You know. That's true. So, yeah, we get the job done eventually. Well, cool. next time, hopefully you get to see the bike. Yeah. So sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, That's and okay. I want to come back down another time yeah. and interview Ralph. Yes, you need to. So Ralph, I talk about is my racing mentor. He's actually was a really lucky um, thing that we met in Arma Road Racing, and he recently became the fastest person on a sit-on motorcycle and didn't make a record of 300 miles an hour, but he went 307. <laughs> Um, at Bolivia last year. That's on a, insane. On a partially streamlined bike. What bike? 
It's um, Suzuki Jixer 1000 turbocharged. 307 miles. I have the record that he made was 297. Sure. FIM record. I mean, it's hard holding on at 130. I yeah. can't imagine. Definitely would love to come yeah. down and get that interview. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, ha- I owe a lot to Ralph and yeah. his generosity of knowledge and time in the shop and, um, you know, sharing ideas. Yeah. No, awesome. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, you guys follow Stacy. It's it's insane. Um, but it's, it's an inlet to to racing and a whole different type of mindset. So let's review again. We've got the Southern California Timing Association mm-hmm. on Instagram, triple nickel, five, five, five. Right. And that's not written five. That's the number. Yeah. Five, five, triple five. nickel, five, five, five. All together, no underscore. Oh, right. yeah. I'm easily reminded of this because I believe you put your sticker over my. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> NRA sticker on my case. Well, I mean, I was going to get photographed on the bike. I well, you know, this oh, legit, and then this super legit. I had an NRA so sticker. It came with the bike. I thought, this is funny. Of that I went, wait a minute. I did not get photographed. There's a triple nickel. Ah, it's okay. Um, it's a, I just realized the dog is not slimy. with us. What mis- no, 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 he is right awesome. there. I was thinking, what kind of mischief is your dog getting into right now? now? Well, we've got a long ride. I think uh, it's time for us to get to it. Yeah, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. <laughs> exactly. Thanks again. My pleasure. All right. Yeah, see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye in podcast land.